Welcome to People in Exile, where we have conversations, host interviews, discuss books, and engage with the Bible to help believers live out their faith in an unbelieving world. Welcome to this episode of People in Exile. I'm your host for this episode, Chris Chambers, and I am joined, per usual, with these two fellas. And they are... The Ben Ellis. The Ben Ellis. Actually, Andrew Chamberlain. Actually, Andrew Chamberlain. And, and hadn't we changed or updated your name, Ben? Or is it... Did we go back to the Ben Ellis? Is what? That... what? <laughs> I'm lost. What happened? I thought we uh, I thought we added an adjective. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we did. Oh, we did, yeah. Well, uh, the broken Ben Ellis. It's <laughs> rough. I know, it's rough, man. Uh, man, he is uh, <laughs> just super um, uh, vulnerable and uh, transparent. That is the Ben Ellis. That's him. We appreciate it. <laughs> we do. Thank you, Ben. All You're right. welcome, I so, guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, what we're doing today is we're jumping back into the Sermon on uh, the Mount. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 5. And specifically, verse 30 is where we're going to get 31, started. 31, I believe. Uh, 31, you are correct, Mr. Andrew. Just um, kind of for us, for our purposes, we have Beatitudes, we have salt and light, we have uh, fulfilling the law, and then he says, uh, your righteousness must exceed that of the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, or else you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he gives us six examples. The first two we've already discussed, anger and lust, and we're moving into the third of the six examples uh, today, and that is... Uh, regarding divorce, uh, any any kind of uh, thing y'all want to mention before we get started here? Read the text about this particular section. This is this is a section that's always like I've had a I've had to kind of walk through this section a few different times uh, because as my parents actually got divorced when I was six, mm-hmm. so like growing up, I had to think through this a lot, this issue kind of a lot, uh, especially as I became a teenager and started kind of sorting through what it meant for the Bible to have authority in our life mm-hmm. and how that kind of did that change my perception of my parents and how did that change my perception of my parents and some of those other kind of things. And so this is a passage, this and some of the other law passages that deal with divorce as well. Like we were just looking at Deuteronomy 24 before we, before we went off, yeah. before we went live this morning. Um, I just kind of, so this is, this was something that for me felt very, it had a lot of personal weight to it, mm-hmm. you know? So what about you, man? I think I did. Thankfully, my parents didn't go through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife's did, and so definitely have thought through that. But I think the reality is just being in a church and knowing so many people and experiencing. Mm-hmm. You know, you. I think it's everybody to some extent that's been in the faith for a while probably has had to process this in a very personal way and try mm-hmm. to understand. Um, even as much like the aftermath of mm-hmm. it versus mm-hmm. just the, you know in the moment but yeah definitely very personal text i believe yeah i think we tend to look at uh, the <coughs> divorce uh, in general we kind of look at it from two two different lenses two ways uh, one is um, if you're in the midst of a marriage maybe a struggling marriage right uh, maybe on the precipice of of a divorce and then we have the second uh, which would be uh, someone who's already gone through a divorce sure. right? and i think we kind of look at it from those two lenses anything you want to mention about kind of if if, you, if somebody were to be listening and uh, they find themselves in one of those two areas what would be your kind of uh, pastoral uh, advice uh, in in the midst of that we'll start with the first and that is if, if you're you know in that in that difficult marriage right now what would your uh, advice be again before we jump into the text just wanted to kind of touch yeah. on this yeah i think i think 
my first thing would be, okay, I, your pain's probably real. You mm-hmm. know, you're probably really mm-hmm. going through it and not, not to minimize the, you know, Mm-mm. the, the struggle that they're going through or, or not, you know, not validate it because it, it's, it's a real f- pain and a real feeling. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is, is, um, you know, obviously I really want people to stay married. So I would try to, you know, offer any type of encouragement to, you know, that path of what that would look like. So, um, but I, I guess the initial, the first one is just say, you know, man, I, if you, I guess give them that okay if you were like, yeah, this hurts, this is rough, mm-hmm. this isn't easy, this doesn't feel good, you know, instead of just buck up, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree with that pastorally so much. And, it, you know, just to add an extra layer to that as well is that we realize that there are some circumstances, like when, when we get into talking about divorce from a biblical perspective, we understand that the biblical prescription also holds in inside of itself mm-hmm. the idea that your marriage is biblically sound as well, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that is, and that because God's law is not sort of like, okay, this is the law for this. This is the law for this. This is the law for this. All those things flow together in a meaningful way. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is why we find out later, as James tells us, if you break the law at any one point, mm-hmm. you've broken all of it. Right. Why? Because it's all connected to itself. Mm-hmm. Right. There's nothing that is separated from, uh, the other parts of it. Right. So, if you're in a if you're in a marriage that is, you know, abusive or in those kind of things, please don't hear this as a condemnation in any way, stretch, or form, because your spouse has already failed you, mm-hmm. right? They're already breaking the commandments to protect, to serve, to covet, to love, uh, you know. So there's 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 something in there. Don't feel like this is we're trying to, or even that more importantly, the word of God is trying to heap onto you something that is unjust, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the biblical prescription is not to stay in an unjust marriage for the sake of staying in an unjust marriage, right? right. There, there, are, there are valid reasons for broken uh, fidelity mm-hmm. in the life of a marriage that Jesus, again, like Andrew pastorally very much against divorce because scripture is very much against divorce. And we're going to, we're going to point out some extra passages besides just this one that, that remind us of that. But also we, we realize that we serve a God who loves and cherishes his children. And when he loves and cherishes his children, he wants what is good for them. He wants what is right for them. He wants what is just for them, not just to, mindlessly hold to the law as if that were the only thing in play. And then on the, <clears throat> on the backside of that, you have someone, you know, uh, say that, uh, you know, went through a divorce and, and it was, it was simply, uh, we fell out of love. You've heard that uh, before, yeah. or we just don't have anything in common or we don't like the same things anymore, whatever it may be. Uh, that's the divorce, right? That, that someone went through in the past, uh, potentially even multiple divorces, right, in the past. Uh, but as, they, uh, as they're reading Scripture, as they're, as they're digging in, as their relationship with Christ is strengthening, uh, you know, they're looking back. What, what, would, you, what, would, your kind of, uh, what would you say to, to them about that? If maybe they're feeling very condemned or if they're feeling, um, you know, some guilt about um, some of those kind of past um, divorces or the past divorce. I, I would say grace. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of the situation because even if you have – I mean, if, especially if you have done those things, if those things have been a reality for you in the past, yeah. and now you have, you've gone forward with your life, at some point you have to realize that grace is sufficient. Mm-hmm. And, and there isn't, sometimes there isn't a sense when you can go back and, and repair that bridge 
to its fullest extent, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, you need to understand that God loves you, and there's grace for what you're what you're going through. Um, I actually had a a Sunday school teacher when I was in college, and man, just he was just such a great a great teacher, such a great encourager. Uh, he knew that he had a bunch of uh, theology students as his Sunday school class, and uh, one day I just I again. Again, no filter. No, I, I have problems with that. Uh, I, I said, dude, what? his name was was Al, and I respected him so much. I'm like, Al, I'm just going to ask you this question because he says, I said, why are you not a deacon in this church? I mean, you would be a magnificent deacon in this mm-hmm. church. And he goes, well, I, I had a divorce when I was younger. I said, and, and, and I talk, tried to talk with him a little bit about that. And, you know, he was open to the conversation. But, I mean, the reality was that for him – it was a meaningful departure for him. And he said, you know, I, I just, I don't feel like I can, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I have the authority to serve in that way. Mm-hmm. I Instead, I get to invest in you guys as college students. And I loved his heart even for that sentence alone. Sure. Instead, I get to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a different story for a different day. But I just, I just recognize that even in the life of the church, that are still, you're not... Uh, Divorce is not the unpardonable sin, mm-hmm. and sometimes, like socially, it feels like that. Especially if you're in a, a small church context, or for a long time in a Southern Baptist church context, yeah. it kind of came out like that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not the reality. The reality is, is that even if you've gone through this, there is grace. There is a place for you to be a part of the family of God, and I don't feel like you have to <clears throat> to hide or bury that yeah. reality of your life because there's there's portions of all of our lives mm-hmm. that we as believers. We're, you know, it all goes back to we have all stumbled, we've all sinned, yeah. and we still continue to wage that war in our own lives. I think of uh, Romans 8 1, right? There's there, right. therefore, now no condemnation, none whatsoever, right? For those who are found in uh, Christ Jesus. So, if, uh, if, that's, if that's where you find yourself uh, today, mm-hmm. uh, then just be, uh, you know, I, you can hold on to that, you know, that promise and that truth there, right? Absolutely. Uh, anything else, Andrew, before we jump into the text? Just quickly, I mean, I think Ben said a lot of great things there, so I won't add, I won't try to go any further with that. The only, maybe the other side is if somebody's going through that and, and and depending on the depth of the relationship, you may you may want, you may probe a little bit deeper. Like, wh- wh- why are you feeling these thoughts, or what's struggling? You mm-hmm. know, because there may be something else there that they mm-hmm. need to. Maybe they do need to tell somebody they're sorry, or maybe they. You yes. know, maybe there is still something not from the sense of trying to feel condemned, or mm-hmm. you know, like they, uh, you know, are out that God's left them or anything like that. But maybe you know, I mean, what as grace, as as sufficient as grace is, they're still you know, challenges, even though we mm-hmm. sin. So, you know, maybe they're, I would just n- want to know that if that's what they're going through, you know, because yeah. that, that may be God leading them even to a greater healing or a greater, you know, thing. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, kind of as a jumping off point, we'll, we'll dive back into the Sermon on the Mount and uh, we'll start in verse 31. It says this, uh, <clears throat> he was, he, oh, I'm sorry, let me say this again. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whomever or whoever marries a divorced woman commits uh, adultery. So that's the that's the text we're in uh, this morning, right? <clears throat> we were in life group, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and somebody uh, jumped in and said, why, you know, why is it... Uh, 
uh, a man said, why is it focusing on uh, the man here giving the woman the certificate of divorce? As a, and, and, and there seems to be no room uh, in the other direction. An older uh, lady in, in the class kind of was puzzled by the question. <laughs> she, she was a little bit shocked that uh, that, that would even be a question. Uh, even in this day and age, you know, she, she says, you know, she knows she's experienced, uh, you know, situations where certainly men are given more leverage in a, in a situation like this than, than a woman would be. Uh, with that being said, we also obviously don't want to look at uh, the text from from our, uh, you know, kind of Western eyes. We want to make sure that we're looking at the text uh, from from uh, the, the in the context that it was it was written. Uh, so, with that being said, uh, what is the context uh, that we're we're looking at here? Obviously, this is Jesus' first century uh, um, Israel, first century Jerusalem. Um, so, what else what else would be helpful there for us to kind of better understand this text? Well, specifically, the the rights for men and women are vastly different than they are now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think it's pretty fair to say that. Comparatively speaking, the women didn't have rights as, as speaking as of today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you look at this text, and specifically the certificate of divorce, and I'm sure we'll get into this, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, mm-hmm. but um, that was actually a an advancement mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was a way to protect the woman instead of just uh, because uh, many times a marriage arrangement was just considered like property, mm-hmm. and the wife was a part the of that. Chattel, yeah. yeah, she was mm-hmm. she was a, a property arrangement, mm-hmm. you know, between families. So uh, even that was an advancement from a cultural or society standpoint to to protect her. Um, so again, a very generalized way of saying it is the women they were not they were not esteemed in the same manner as men are uh, then. Uh, and frankly, by no no stretch today. So, um, yeah, I think that's a Did decent. We, yeah. Okay. Anything yeah. you want to add? There? Yeah, I, and I think it's it's important actually to understand exactly the depth of what Andrew's talking about. Really, there is Jesus advances the importance and the level and the rights of women far beyond his contemporaries. A lot of people try to look at the scriptures and they look at it as it as demeaning to women, but that's not really what's happening. Uh, in fact, just as what Andrew was saying just a second ago, is that Jesus here and in other places is advancing the right and the status of women to to reaffirm, I think in many ways, that creation aspect where both male and female are created as equals in the image of God. And I think that that's part of what plays into this from, from a large picture backdrop so let's and i think even if you move forward sorry chris even if you move forward if you go to like a first corinthians 7 it seems that as the church was developing and being established that the women even because it's like even in cases of infidelity and it doesn't i I think i I think i'm correct in saying this it doesn't come at it from just a masculine standpoint first corinthians correct i think it comes at it from a like a gender neutral like either party Mm -hmm. yep so just wanted us to look at the structure uh, of the uh, of the text here. We've, we've done this a couple times in the first two examples, but again, uh, the, the, it starts out with, it was also said, or you've heard it said, right? Uh, and then he gives, Jesus gives the uh, improper uh, uh, interpretation, right? Or, or the, the, uh, mm-hmm. the mi- mis, uh, misstru- um, what, what's misconstrued, the, misconstrued, yes, uh, uh, interpretation. Uh, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce, right? And then what he says, but I say to you, and then he gives them the proper interpretation uh, at, 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 that uh, everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her 
uh, commit adultery, and whoever marries uh, a divorced woman commits uh, adultery. So again, we start out with, uh, you've heard it said, here's the, here's the uh, improper interpretation, but I say to you, as the, as the author and, and ultimate interpreter of Scripture, Jesus Christ, uh, this is the way that the, uh, the, the, the law should have always been uh, construed. Right? I think something that's really interesting for this, too, since we're talking about structuring, and I think contextually it's interesting, uh, that in the last three sections, or the three sections, right, the divorce, if we put divorce in the middle, you've got adultery, divorce, and oaths mm-hmm. all right in a row, mm-hmm. right? So you've got this sense of, you know, Jesus is, is dealing with these three things almost together because you've got this issue of adultery, which is the only viable explanation for divorce from right. what Jesus is teaching. Mm-hmm. You've got this statement about divorce, and then you've got this statement on oath-keeping. Mm-hmm. You know, do not make oaths, you know, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. So is, even as you go all the way through this, I think what you see is is the value, uh, if you tie these three ideas together, mm-hmm. of what yeah. Jesus really wants for the the sake of this, of this marriage uh, that's there in place, is that you have a promise that you are keeping in this thing called a marriage, and you shouldn't divorce you shouldn't allow divorce to be a part of that but instead but also there needs to be the sense of fidelity that is that is tied mm-hmm. to that as well right the um what what so what what we'll do thank you for that ben uh what we'll do now is uh, jump into the original text where did this come from this idea of certificate of divorce uh if we jump into uh, deuteronomy right deuteronomy uh, chapter 24 uh, starting with verse 1 it says this when a man takes a wife and marries her if then she finds no favor in his eyes let's say that again if then she finds no favor in his eyes uh, because um, he has found some indecency in her. And that's really the key, right? Some indecency. Exactly what does that mean? And, and uh, again, we'll talk through this a little bit, but, but it was being interpreted in a lot of different ways. We'll just leave it there for now. Some inde- if he finds some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house and she departs out of his house... And if she goes and becomes another man's wife and the later man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, uh, or if the latter man dies who takes her to be his wife, then her former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after she has been uh, def- uh, defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin upon the land that your Lord your God is giving you uh, for an inheritance. So there's there's a lot there to kind of uh, unpack, uh, if you will. Uh, but let's, let's, let's start with this idea of certificate. Certificate of divorce. Y'all both mentioned this idea that we're actually mm-hmm. advancing uh, the rights of women in this particular uh, culture. Talk through that. How, how, how so? Well, because previously, prior to a certificate of divorce, well, you have to even start at a different level. From a from an economic standpoint, women were very dependent, if not totally dependent, upon men for their economic well-being. Mm-hmm. And so a woman's right to a a woman's pathway, if you will, to uh, having material goods and her needs taken care of were through a man. Mm-hmm. Um, regard if she didn't have a man, it, I mean, I'm, it's very hard, uh, it, and I think that's probably an understatement. So, so marriage. Yes, yeah. let, let me let me do something real quick because I agree with you. We we kind of started in the middle. Let's let's go back. Go to Genesis two real quick, right? And, and and where did where did marriage become from? Where did this idea of marriage uh, uh, originate? We got to what uh, uh, Genesis two. I got, we'll start with twenty three. Then the man said, "This is um, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my f- flesh. She shall be called woman because she uh, was taken out of man." And then verse twenty four. Therefore, a man shall leave his father 
and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife uh, were both naked and, and were, were not ashamed. But that's the original. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's where that's we're, even a pre-fall. I'm right. That's yeah. pre-fall. That's yeah. pre-fall. Absolutely. But that's the original intent, right, mm-hmm. of marriage. That's where this all begins. So this idea of divorce, obviously, this is this is post-fall. There, 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 there's a reason sin has entered the world, and even in the marriage, right, covenant, we see uh, that sin has, has touched that, right, and, yeah. then, and then so that had that had begun to take place, and 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 that's where you're kind of picking up there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you did a good job of showing showing even a pre-fall like there was a design for this and and and, mm-hmm. and very accurate post-fall in that women were very dependent if not fully dependent upon a man for their livelihood their well-being and so if if a woman was not in a a marriage and again remember i mean you have some great examples to kind of show what it looked like it wasn't it was you you think of uh like um oh Leah and um, what's mm-hmm. her sister? Uh, Rachel. Rachel, thank you. Um, you know, it was an arranged deal with the father, you know, and they had to work. And, you know, the women didn't have, they weren't, it wasn't like we, we're not dating and, you know, it wasn't that. It was these families coming together and, and, and so forth. So when a woman was, was not, you know, like, let's just say, let's just pick an, a, a silly example. If she cooked the food bad or something, mm-hmm. it was just like, well, I don't care. I'll just get rid of her or whatever. Right. And so now here she is, left out in the cold, if you will, because she has nothing. But with the certificate, what happened was then there became some rights for the woman. They had to take care of her. It wasn't just a, hey, you're no longer in this relationship, and here's a document. It was, I am responsible for this. Mm -hmm. And so there was an added level of care upon her, and it couldn't be just this, you know, this is an East Tennessee saying, but like a willy nilly, whatever you yeah. want to do. You well, know. well, what about this scenario? The uh, the the man says leave. Uh, we're, I'm, we're getting a divorce. There is no certificate of divorce, right? The woman then later enters into another relationship with a man, right? The man comes back. He gets jealous of his ex wife now, right? <laughs> uh, having engaged in that kind of uh, uh, relationship, says no, I've never divorced her. Yeah. She was actually engaged in adultery. What's the penalty for adultery? She would die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. St- stoning. Is so there's death, so. So just. You know, we could spend a lot of time, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's a great. But again, example. just the point is, yeah. it's to protect the women. It, it really right. is, and um, and so so I don't know how you want to move forward from here, but if if we can, what happened then was they, you know, this is the condition of humanity. We 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 always thwart things and mess things up and just take it the wrong way. What Israel was doing, they were like, okay, so God gives this them out as a protection, but then they start they start like taking advantage of it. To, to mm-hmm. then say, oh, well, we're protecting women. We can just divorce for whatever and create, you know, kind of in a situation where we are now in culture where, you know, we have a lot of people get, you know, there's a lot of divorce for just, you know, we're mad or frustrated or something like that. They were doing that, and it was creating, you know, broken families and all these things. So it was, um, you know, they took this protection and they made it into a bad thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of where, I mean, there's a lot you could add to that, but sure. I mean, that's kind of where we get to when Jesus comes to this thing. Yes. Right. Again, finds no favor in his eyes because uh, he has found some indecency in her. All right. Uh, writes her a certificate of a divorce. Uh, and then he even goes in and says, in the event that she marries another man and uh, say that man dies or she gets a divorce from that man, uh, she cannot then come back to the first husband. Right. Now, what's the significance there? Y'all see any significance there? Well, I mean, I think there's some, I think there is, there's an, there's a, 
Here, here, here's what I'll say. I'll, I'll say this, and then again, we'll go, we'll go from there. Uh, you see, actually, uh, a lot of folks look at this as it, it's actually undermining marriage, right? I, I think we look at this, especially that command there, and you see there's actually another reinforcement of the importance of marriage. Don't take this divorce lightly because you're not going to re-enter this marriage once again with this same woman, right? So if you divorce her, it's final. It's for life, right? Right. Yeah, and because if I'm not mistaken... And I could be, and so if someone's out there and wants to correct me, please do. You could have used that system to, like, like a man and a woman could even use that system to gain some advantage in doing, like, they could have pulled some crazy schemes that way. Mm. And so there was a protection, and there was a finality, and yeah. there was a severity and a seriousness. Right. So, yes. Wanted to take the institution yeah. of marriage very, very seriously, yeah. right? Um, <clears throat> all right, so let's go back to, uh, anything else you want to mention there, Ben? Well, I just want to... You know, in something just as you, you were t thinking about that, as I was thinking of, of something totally different. different. Um, and, and that C.S. Lewis, probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey Actually, not. Um, no, the, actually, I was thinking of, of the reality of, uh, you know, the, the long analogy that's running through the course of Scripture of, of God and his people and his people being uh, a wife, uh, especially when you look in the prophets and you deal with idolatry as a, as 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 an adultery, mm -hmm. right? And you think through, you know, why is God taking why is God taking marriage so seriously? Why is He doing this? And and here's the interesting thing is is that it's you know it's it's in some ways, and again metaphorical as it is, but. It's, it's a metaphorical picture of God's faithfulness, I think, in a lot of ways, because despite the fact that particularly, again, particularly in the prophets, you see Israel really portrayed as an adulterous wife, uh, particularly if you look at Hosea. I yeah, mean, that's absolutely. like the entire point of Hosea. Yeah. Uh, with their idolatry, they are an adulterous wife, but still God never, quote unquote, divorces her, you know, and that's, I think, an amazing testament to God's faithfulness and having a law that paints that picture yeah for us, having a, a guideline that paints that picture for us, I think really continues to underscore the not only the, the importance and the weight of marriage, but also the importance and weights of God's faithfulness in the context of his people. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, not only does he not divorce her, pursues her yeah, continuously. Yeah, continues to pursue her. Yeah. For her good, for her purity, right? Willing mm -hmm. willing to, to give up certain things for her benefit. So, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. A good point there. Um all right, so uh, let's see. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, uh, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, then he, he corrects us that this is the proper interpretation, right? That everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits uh, adultery. Talk about this, this uh, second half. Yeah, I, I mean, on one side, it's, it's straightforward. You know, the, the, you, this is the only clause... For divorce, John Piper, he actually argued. I think I think this is the only gospel that gives this out. I think all the other gospels don't even give this out. So Mark, Luke, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Piper doesn't even think it's an out. Um, uh, which I think he's more in the minority there for most biblical scholars. Um, but and then you got First Corinthians that goes on and kind of gives some, I think, further teaching on it but uh, anyway the the this is what jesus is saying he's like he's correcting this you were taking this thing that was supposed to protect mm -hmm. in these very challenging and horrific situations and you've used them now to create more problems and so don't don't undermine or don't despise the grace of god 
in these very hard things. And I think that's something that's really cool is God is giving grace to people that are going through hard situations like this. Mm -hmm. He's like, don't, in essence, don't do that because Mm -hmm. that's not what this is about. Marriage is supposed to be, as you read from Genesis 2, marriage is supposed to be this uniting of one man, one woman uh, for the entirety of their life here on this earth to um, potentially produce children build this life together. It's the building block of society. It's all these things. And so don't, don't take advantage of that. Don't, yeah. don't mess that up if you will. And I think it's really important too, just to, to follow along with what Andrew's saying right there about hearkening back to Genesis two again. And that is this, is that in Genesis two, we don't have the fall. So understand that both the command and Adam's statement in Genesis are with the idea in mind that humanity is not going to die right? Death has not entered the mind of humanity yet, has not entered into the existence of humanity yet. So this pairing, when we say one man, one woman together for life, in the Genesis context, there was no end to that context, mm. right? There was that, that life, that partnership, that marriage was going to be for the rest of their existence, mm-hmm. which at that point didn't have a physical end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. The other thing uh, here, you know, he does give, Jesus does give the example of sexual immorality as a, a, a plausible, reasonable uh, uh, reason, right, uh, uh, for divorce, right? Uh, but it's permissible. It's not mandatory, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a command that you must do this in the event that this, uh, this takes place. Anything you want to say kind of to that point? Uh, there, uh, someone going through that situation, uh, c- certainly super, super difficult, uh, where there's been infidelity in the marriage. Uh, certainly, uh, um, you know, it, it may be that that divorce is the is is where that that ends up. Um, but uh, I know I, I have, you know, I have, uh, you know, friends who have, have gone through that difficult season and, uh, you know, they've, they've fortunately been able to, to kind of work through that. Uh, obviously there's a lot of trust that has to be rebuilt and things like that. But, uh, uh, you know, here they are years and years later and, and, and you know, their marriage is, is stronger than ever. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the first thought that goes through my mind when, when we're having that conversation is it, you, like you said, it's not, it's not mandatory, mm-hmm. you know? it's it's kind of starting there it's like okay before we because i've unfortunately had to talk with some people in this and it's like okay before we do this you you have to realize that by getting a divorce that doesn't mean your problems are now solved because it's not like your pain is now gone Mm -hmm. it's not that you you know everything is just erased now Uh, unfortunately that's not how it happens so again i'm not saying that's not the the correct answer but don't don't also think that it is now the the Mm cure-all you know and I think that's something we always have to remind people in, in every situation, but that, you know, I don't want to use that in a weighty or in a guilt, like, well, you got to stay together kind of thing, because that's not what scripture saying, because at the same time, it does still have that plausible reason to get out. But mm-hmm. I would, I would start there. And then second from that is, is, is the person who's defending party. Uh, they, I mean, just the reality is they have to realize they've caused this mm-hmm. and, and they're going to have to deal with, I mean, you know, I was talking to someone the other day about how, like, they were making this argument, like, well, God forgets our sin. I'm like, well, we're not God. Mm-hmm. We don't have the ability to forget. No. God never asked us to forget. He just asked us to forgive. Mm-hmm. We don't have the human capability to do that. So you cannot expect, because I've seen so many people do that, like, why are you still bringing this up? Or why? Well, they're human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you want them to do? Mm-hmm. You know, so that person is just going to have to realize that, that there, there is a part there, you know, and so... 
that's just a very hard, long conversation. So that's why I go back to even the beginning of that. It's like, and just think through these problems before you even enter them, because it's not, yeah. you know, this, this momentary fleeting passion of sin or, mm-hmm. you know, that Hebrews sure. says, yeah. is, is it really worth it for all the windfall that's getting ready to come? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important too, to remember that God, in the sense that God forgets, it means that he doesn't hold us accountable for them. Right. Because one of the things we want to be careful when we say things like that is, is that God's omniscience does not change. Right, he still is fully aware of everything, mm-hmm. uh, but the sense that he doesn't—he no longer holds them against those who are in Christ Jesus. I think that's the larger picture there. But I think as but but and how that how that caveat, if you sh- if you will, applies to to what Andrew's talking about too, though, is that we realize that those decisions have weight in the context of our relationships, mm-hmm. and even even when, you know. Somebody decides to, you know, like like your like your friends have, you know, s- stuck through that hard time and stayed together, and you know all of their motivations that come into that, and they build rebuild trust and those other kind of things. Like Andrew says, you you created this nightmare. You have to realize that sometimes you have to live out the whole nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our pastor did a, a this this past Sunday did a wonderful job, I think, talking about Peter walking on the water, but he said sometimes being in the center of God's will means you're standing in the center of a storm. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's just the reality that you have to live for. You have created a storm in your own life mm-hmm. and now you're going to have to walk through some of that. Yeah. And, and it's true. And it's, 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 it's hard. So, you know, to kind of flip the script a little to more of a positive, I think the way that we as a church need to really approach this is then how do we, you know, we have to teach the truth of this text mm-hmm. by all means, but how do we <clears throat> affirm and build marriages? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we provide, it's easier to, what's that old saying? An ounce of, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yeah. It, I think that this text is, is why the, that cliche is where that statement is, is necessary because mm-hmm. why the, the after effects of this yep. is so dramatic and so lasting and so challenging for so many people that mm-hmm. we would be much better served to how do we build up marriages? How do we, you know, support each other in their marriage and come alongside and, and, you know, do the things that we can, you know, to to keep people mm-hmm. uh, not only just married for the sake of marriage, but truly in a relationship that is good, you know, so, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's not really this text, but I'm just saying, no, I think it absolutely is important. Yeah. And I'm going to jump off there and, and mention, you know, Ben, last night, even you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, be holy as uh, as your father is holy, as mm-hmm. I am holy, be Indeed. holy as Indeed. I am holy. Right. And uh, whether you're married or or whether you're single now, not yet married, um, you know, I would say lean into right that that holiness, uh, because ultimately, like you said uh, that and and, and the truth is uh, that holiness, right, biblical holiness, godliness, right, is only capable through the Holy Spirit, right, because of our sinful fallen nature. uh, Only by the Holy Spirit are we able uh, to 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 live lives in which we're pursuing that holiness. Um, And at the same time, only uh, by doing so, right, can we can we help to prevent these uh, uh, kind of infidelity or, or, or again, you know, we've focused on, you know, uh, adultery or fornication too, right? As, as an unmarried individual, that's going to affect your later marriage, right? It's going to affect your later life. So. And, and I think one of the reasons why, why this conversation is so important, and I want to, I want to just walk alongside what Andrew was saying yeah. earlier about making this a positive rather yeah. than a negative yeah. conversation is that the reason this command is so important. And the reason Jesus, one of the reasons I think Jesus is, is adjusting it so so dramatically, mm-hmm. right? Is is if you look over in Ephesians chapter five, 
you get this idea of, you know, be imitators of God. And then Paul begins to deal with the role of the husbands and the role of wives and the life of the family. Yeah. But then he, he tacks on at the very end, he tacks on what feels like this crazy departure. And you're like, Paul, what the heck are you doing? Uh, but he says this, he says, this, so he, he talks about husband, talks about wives. Uh, and then he goes into this statement. He says, "This mystery is great, right?" And he's talking about husbands and wives and all that stuff. But I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Right. Exactly. Like all these things are true about husband and wives. Don't don't get me wrong, guys. But Ephesian church. But really, really, all this we're talking about. This is about Christ in the church. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about you know the weight and the value of marriage, it's not just for the marriage itself. It's really about Christ in the church. And I think in many ways that's why. Uh, you know, we go back to this, and yes, adultery, infidelity uh, is an out, and, and I, I, I disagree with John Piper uh, that this is an out. I don't think it is an out. I mean, I think it is an out. I don't think it's, 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 a, it's a, a sidestep, uh, but the reality is, is that grace is more, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we have to, to figure out, you know, if, we're, if this marriage, even in its worst possible moment, its greatest sense of infidelity, or this greatest step of failure. If this if this relationship really is, if I stepped into this relationship to depict Christ in the church, what has Christ done for my adulterous idolatry mm-hmm. in the life of redeeming me as the church? Mm-hmm. And that there is some positive play to that, to say that there is a place for grace. And again, I'm not trying to, we're not trying to, by any stretch of the imagination, somebody who's going through this situation saying, you have to do this one way or the other. We're not calling, we're not calling that one way or the other, but we're saying this is the picture. Marriage is, marriage is so important. It's so valuable. It's so weighty because of what it's depicting, not just as a thing in and of itself. Yeah. Well, guys, I guess we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up uh, there. Would uh, one of you like to close in a word of prayer? I will. All right, man. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for um, the clarity that it brings specifically in culture where it seems that things are so unclear and uh, just kind of all over the place. But, Lord, we love the the centeredness and the um, security and the uh, reality uh, that it offers. And so, Lord, I pray specifically today in relation to this text uh, for ourselves and uh, all those listening, that, God, we would esteem correctly uh, marriage the way that you esteem it. Mm-hmm. Father, for uh, all the purposes that you've intended it to be, Lord, help us to walk in that with joy and not just a, uh, a mindset of duty uh, so that we are, you know, and actually showcasing the, the joy of it, not just some obligation. Lord, I pray, Father, that we would uh, be a people that, uh, as has been mentioned today, would be holy as you've called us to be. Lord, thank you so much for this time. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. As always, thank you for listening to People in Exile. For more information, visit the website, peopleinexile.com, and make sure to follow us on Facebook. Until next time, keep praying and seeking the welfare of your city.